0: alrighty hello everyone and welcome to the DealMaker show so today we have a, a really amazing entrepreneur I think that we're gonna be learning a little bit from going to corporate and obviously a great you know uh, corporation that he was working at incredible culture uh, and then going now you know into startups uh, and now especially with the one of his own his own baby which uh, he's uh, definitely doing. A remarkable job there. Uh, So, I guess without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Spike Lipkin. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Alejandro. Thrilled to be
0: here. So, originally born in Colorado. So, how was life growing up in Colorado?
1: Life in Colorado uh, was amazing. Spent a lot of time in the outdoors growing up, not so much time in classrooms, um, a lot of time skiing and camping. It really taught me to appreciate, yeah, the outdoors.
0: So, how was it you know with your parents? I mean obviously, your parents, both entrepreneurs, one in being an architect, the other one an artist, so I'm sure that you learned a ton and and you developed the entrepreneurial buck early on yeah it it
1: was really incredible seeing you know my parents build you know my mom's an artist, and um artists really are their own businesses, they have to do everything from creating their own work to marketing to sales, you know, and my dad's an architect, and so you know w- what I saw in them was. A lot of what entrepreneurship is about in the beginning is doing every job and realizing that um, if you're going to build something that really works, you have to understand every component of it. Um, one of the things my dad used to always tell me is you have to do every job in your business before handing it off to someone else. And so later on, when I had the chance to start Newfront with my co-founders, we did everything ourselves early on, even uh, even you know really little things that I think we could have outsourced um, because we really wanted to deeply understand, you know, every aspect of the business and then be able to go hire someone much more capable than us, but hand them something that we fundamentally understood.
0: So then in this case, I mean, what were some of the things that, that you saw there? I mean, for example, with your parents, you know, going themselves through the journey, through the ups and downs, through the embracing the journey. I mean, I, I think that founders really don't know what that looks like until they go at it. But I think that here you had that first taste, no, from in an indirect kind of way. no.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think what I saw from them was um, this incredible freedom that um, even though entrepreneurship is really difficult and, you know, the lows are very low, um, the highs are incredibly high and, you know, you, you you control your own destiny and can make just a huge impact on, you know, other people's lives. One of the things I know my, my dad was always really proud of is how many people his projects employed, you know, when you think about it beyond just the architecture, um, the construction, and all of the subcontractors and, and all of the related vendors. And you know, I really came to learn that entrepreneurship is a vehicle for empowerment and empowering others. And I aspired to do that you know, throughout my career. And in building Newfront, not only did we want to build a mission-driven, highly successful business, but we wanted to build a business that took care of our team members and provided a really stable platform for them to Support their families. So, why philosophy? Yeah. So, entered college as a philosophy major. Um, I think, like most eighteen-year-olds, had a lot of questions about the world. And when I was in college, we went through the worst the worst recession since the Great Depression. And so, I was trying to make sense of what was going on in the world. You know, I was studying philosophy, and I realized pretty quickly that if I wanted to have a job after I graduated, I needed to pick up an economics degree. So, I ended up halfway through college. Picking up an economics degree, which really helped me make sense of you know what was going on in the world. I, I remember feeling just so much uncertainty in college, looking at you know the stock market, looking at all these local businesses I knew, looking at the real estate sector, and so the combination of you know studying philosophy and economics was actually a, a great way to begin to understand what was going on in the world.
0: So let's talk about really entering the labor market. I mean, how was that like? You know, when when all of a sudden you graduate and and you see this 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 reality that. That the stock markets you know had created, yeah, I mean, first of all, it was terrifying.
1: I remember um I had friends that were a little bit older than me that were graduating, and um it was a really tough labor market and and really smart, capable people I knew were struggling to find roles. I was really lucky when I graduated um I applied to i think a hundred different jobs and um ended up at at blackstone you know i didn't when i when I joined Blackstone, I didn't really know what investing was, I certainly didn't know what investment banking was. Um, and I joined the real estate group. I figured that the economy was so impacted by real estate that it was um, an incredible place to rebuild and learn. Um, and it proved to be exactly that. You know, I crammed a ton of learning into a couple of years there. Um, I saw um, a, a big business get built um, and was there from you know, the very early days. And so it, it um, was, was eye-opening and um, at the same time, uh, you know, really rewarding to get to be part of building.
0: So talking about building, because after you graduated and, and you go into it, you know, one of the, the 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 big pivotal moment, you know, before you really enter startups, that is working at Blackstone. And in Blackstone, where you started, they were obviously developing the the real estate side of the business, which now is literally one of the biggest investment managers in, in real estate. So how was that experience and how was that uh, a drive, you know, of a culture that they have there?
1: Yeah, it was like drinking out of a fire hose, candidly. Um, You know, you're working with these incredibly smart people and the pace and intensity was like something I'd never experienced before. While I was there, um, you know, there was this there had been this big correction in the overall real estate market um, and things were starting to come back. And so Blackstone was investing very heavily in the recovery. And, you know, I got to see the very early stages of a business Blackstone formed, and I handled a bunch of things that no one else wanted to handle, including insurance, um, which exposed me to this really not well-understood world, um, you know, this set of products that every business out there needs to buy. You know, every product in the world is made possible because um, there's there's insurance. Entrepreneurship is made possible because insur- there's insurance. And getting exposed to it early on was what ultimately inspired me um, to work with my, you know, co-founders and our team members to build NewFront.
0: So in this case at at Blackstone, I mean, you you had the opportunity of working with John Gray uh, directly. I mean, he's uh, one of the guys that that has really built the the real estate side. But I'm sure that for you, I guess from a leadership perspective, from a analysis perspective, when you're like trying to really understand the the strategic nature of operations, I'm sure that you were able to learn a lot from him. So what would you say was, you know. The biggest thing that you learned from working with someone like like john gray
1: yeah you know the the exposure um to to John and you know other senior folks at Blackstone w- was incredible and I think what I saw in him and others um were really two things i think one was um having conviction you know when when Blackstone started investing heavily um, in in the real estate sector after the financial crisis in retrospect it's easy to say that things were recovering but there were a lot of confusing signals in the market, and it was by no means clear that um, we were going to have this you know, raging recovery that, that ended up following. And so it was, you know, one, this, this um, ability to make you know, conviction-driven um, and, and thesis-driven investments um, that I came to really appreciate. Two, um, it was the ability to dissect, um, analyze, and understand really complex information and make it seem really simple. Um, and I, I was so impressed seeing John do that and seeing other senior folks at Blackstone do that, be able to take in, you know, hundreds of data points um, and make sense of this complexity and explain it in a way that, you know, anyone could understand.
0: So it seems that at Blackstone, I mean, you were, you were on a very good path. So why, what happens, you know, in your journey where all of a sudden you decide that it's time to do a complete makeover to your career, pack the bags and, and enter the startup world?
1: You know, I had been spending nights and weekends reading about what was going on 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 the West Coast. And, you know, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but felt like there was um, this special moment in history where entire industries were being remade. Um, and I met um, the Open Door team uh, when they were just getting started and 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 got to know um, Eric, the, the CEO and and um, JD and Ian. Um, and they had this, you know, Amazing idea to transform the housing sector. And so, joined them early on and got to see um, an idea become a product and then a product become a business, um, which was just an incredibly um, rewarding experience. Incidentally, I was also exposed to the insurance sector while I was there. Um, Open Door had really complex insurance, um, and at times it felt like insurance was slowing the business down. And so, again, it felt like this, it was this. Idea that modernizing the insurance sector was something that needed to happen, um, and I didn't really know what it meant at the time. But it, it felt like it had, you know, I'd been exposed to it early on at Blackstone, and then um, again at Open Door, um, and so it, it was sort of growing in me that I wanted to um, contribute in some way.
0: So Open Door, I mean, definitely um, a remarkable trajectory of a company, and you were one of the early employees there. I mean, now we're talking about a company that is publicly listed uh but i 'm sure that being part of a rocket ship like that and and being able to see obviously not as a founder but still you know part of the of the early team members it gives you access to really understand the full uh, the the full cycle of a business to a certain degree you know uh so i 'm sure that 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 gave you like the th- the thirty thousand foot view at an operational level is that right
1: that's right yeah getting to work for incredible founders and and early team members um Exposed me to, you know, I think on, on one side, it exposed me to the fact that th- there's no magic. Open was successful because the early team members and, and founders are really, really smart, um, hardworking, and were willing to iterate and experiment. Um, and I think seeing that and seeing, you know, what it takes to go from a really promising idea into a product was incredibly helpful learning. Um, and then seeing the keen focus on talent um i think one of the things i admire most about open door you know my, my was the talent they they recruited myself excluded um but the early team members at open door were incredible um and eric just took painstaking efforts to bring on people who were amazing um and so when when we went to build new front you know talent was the core focus in 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 the early days of the business and and figuring out the right people to bring on early and I had read that I think Reid Hoffman interviewed the first 200 employees at LinkedIn and so my co-founder and I interviewed and, and to this day continue to interview the vast majority of, of team members we bring on um, and that was a lesson you know that really originated at open door
0: so then let's let's talk about a new front so here you are in open door you have the exposure to insurance and then all of a sudden that idea sparks. And what happens from idea to incubation to giving birth to the idea?
1: I had this vague idea that um, insurance is this sector that touches every part of our economy, our world is getting riskier. Insurance is also what empowers entrepreneurs. You know you wouldn't take risk in the world if the downside meant that you potentially lose everything so that that was basically the extent of it at At some point, you know, left open door and decided that I was going to start exploring insurance, and a friend said, "You have to meet this guy, Gordon." Um, he's a world-class software engineer, You know, first in his class at MIT, had built a Y Combinator company um, that he sold to LinkedIn. But he's obsessed with insurance because um, his family um, worked in the industry. And so we started spending time together, and we just started speaking to business owners about their needs. And what we heard from business owners was that their brokers were really helpful to them, but they felt like their brokers didn't have the right tools to make for a seamless experience. And then we spent time talking to insurance brokers. Um, and we heard the same thing, that they provided, you know, the strategic risk management to their clients, but they were using tools that were, you know, 20 years old. And we started studying, you know, the software vendors in the industry, and we found that many of them were private equity owned and not innovating. And so we 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 just slowly got deeper and deeper into the industry. Um, unlike a lot of startups that were forming at the time, um, we believed and continue to wholeheartedly believe that brokers are the core of our industry and are not going anywhere. A lot of folks in Silicon Valley had looked at insurance and said, oh, well, travel agents have gone away, so insurance brokers are going to go away. And, you know, I think the distinct difference is travel agents in general are dealing with a part of the world we fundamentally understand. You know, we understand what plane tickets are. We understand what a seat on a plane is. Um, Insurance brokers are helping businesses deal with incredibly complex legal documents. You know, an insurance policy is hundreds of pages long. Um, When you need it, it's because something terrible typically has happened in your business and you're finally filing a claim. And the human component, the relationship component and the human expertise, we realize is really important. And so with that thesis, we started exploring ways in which we could streamline the experience of... um, working as a broker, the experience of buying insurance as a business. And we realized pretty quickly that if we wanted to have the impact that we were um, seeking, we needed to actually start our own brokerage and rebuild a lot of the pen and paper workflows with technology, be able to leverage the data that our clients generate to provide better experiences and better quotes for them. And, And so that's how Newfront
0: was born. So then in this case, talking about Newfront, I mean, here you go from being in, in Blackstone, amazing office, you know, you probably had your executive assistant. I mean, all types of stuff like in the Big Apple. To all of a sudden, you find yourself in the West Coast, you know, in this new startup that you're building, in a work life environment where people are thinking that you guys are nuts. So, I mean, how, how was that for you guys? How were the early days like? Yeah, we, we were
1: very, um, you know, we continue to build a culture where we want to invest every dollar in making a better client experience. And and early on, that was even more true because we were very capital constrained. And so um, we, we initially started in my living room and, and eventually, you know, we worked at a friend's office for a while. And then eventually we were so proud to have our own office. Um, the reality is it was an apartment. Um, it had, you know, a washing machine and dryer and a shower. Our neighbors, you know, were a family of four. Um, and. What's interesting about the insurance industry is is your business is really dependent on having a close relationship and partners with large insurance companies. And so I remember early on inviting executives from you know major publicly traded you know multinational companies to our office, um, and you know they realized pretty quickly that it was an apartment. Um, our our conference room was um, a closet that I had to duck down to get into. Um, so it, it, it felt pretty funny early on. I remember there was this one really important carrier partnership that we were going after. And we had this executive from the carrier come meet us. Um, and, you know, you, you probably know this, but unfortunately, the streets in San Francisco um, aren't as clean as one would like. And this person uh, stepped in, in feces on the way into our office, um, which was not a good way to start out a partnership conversation. We ended up closing the partnership and they continue to be a really valuable trading partner to us today. Um, but the early days were, were definitely not as as glamorous or as elegant uh, as, as one one would imagine.
0: So then in this case, you know, one of the fun stories was you know one of the first people that that you actually were engaging for business here actually stepped in some dog feces. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's quite a story. So so what happened there, and how do you how do you turn that experience around? I I think what.
1: The, the trading partners who bet on us early saw was that we were willing to learn quickly and um, we were really there to modernize not disrupt the industry you know so many um, people had come into the industry and made these big pronouncements about eliminating you know brokers or um, you know changing the way you know carriers worked and um we were there to listen um, and we were there to invest in making their lives better and bringing them the types of clients that Um, They wanted to see, and so I think just um, that attitude—you know, a healthy dose of of modesty and understanding what we didn't know—really helped us early on.
0: And I mean, you guys, very smart people, you know, incredible backgrounds. Uh, I can't even imagine how was it like for you all to be dealing with so much rejection, you know, at at this point. I mean, well, I'm sure that was kind of like very humbling, no, to 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 really be exposed to to all those no's. So. How 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 did you guys you know continue with that strong conviction and and keep pushing when you were facing all those no's in front of you? Yeah, we we faced really a lot of no's.
1: You know, early on we needed to bring on insurance professionals, brokers and account managers to help us build the business and you know at the time uh there were three of us, my my two co-founders and you know we're working out of this work live loft and so I think I probably cold called, you know, hundreds of people uh, every month, and you know, the vast majority of them uh, hung up before I could finish saying saying what my name was. But we had this core belief that, you know, here's this industry that has been around um, really since the founding of, you know, free markets, and is, is the core of so much of you know what I care about in the world, um, and is it increasingly needed as the world becomes riskier. And so, you know, it was having a, a mission that we really cared about. Uh, that I think propelled us through those early days. And then what we found is that, you know, when you achieve a little bit of what you're hoping early on, it it compounds. And so, you know, a bunch of our early hires uh, were folks who referred us to, you know, our next set of hires. And there's this really nice snowball effect and momentum um, that we built as a business. And I think many startups are this way where, um, you know, you're, you're, you're just trying to compound this momentum um, and And you know, break free of a lot of the constraints, and we started seeing that early on, and um you know haven't looked back
0: so what ended up being the business model of newfront? I mean, how do you guys make money?
1: Yeah, so we are an insurance brokerage, and so the way we make money is we um advise our clients on risk management and we sell them insurance policies on behalf of over a hundred different insurance carriers. um We are paid a commission to sell those policies. Um, on behalf of the carriers. So we collect a recurring revenue commission um, and it comes out of the total premium that's paid
0: to the carriers. And obviously you guys have raised quite a bit of money. So how much money have you guys raised today?
1: We have raised about $110 We still have the majority of that money in the bank today. Um, And we took a very non-Silicon Valley approach early on. We didn't announce our funding. We were very quiet. We felt that we had a business that was working and um, we wanted to be able to build and really build a moat and an advantage and scale before being public about what we were doing. More recently, you know, we we've announced what we were doing. Um, as we've started dealing with bigger and bigger clients, we felt that it's helpful to show some of our scale.
0: And in this case, I mean, in your in your situation, you raised the series A and the Series B literally within the, the same year. I mean, why did you do that? Typically it takes between 18 to 24 months to go from financing cycle to financing cycle here. You guys just, you know, got rid of it in one single in one single year.
1: Yeah, I think it was actually about three months apart. Um, so we had raised our Series A um, uh, and it was a a, a preemptive round. Um, Kevin Hartz joined our board on behalf of Founders Fund. And, you know, when I, when I think about the business, you know, there's, a, of course, you know, revenue growth and um, and, and margins are really important, but from a de-risking standpoint, um, there was a period in which we cracked a number of things in the business. Um, we were getting a lot better at understanding go-to-market. We had some product breakthroughs. And so I think Founders Funds saw that happening in the business and realized that while not that much time had passed, um, the risk profile of the business was just very different. And so they came to us three months after leading our Series A and offered us a Series B. Um, we've been thrilled working with them and um, we didn't didn't hesitate and um, realized that we could further invest capital in, you know, building the client experience, improving the lives of our brokers and account managers. And so, you know, we ended up raising our Series B that way.
0: So what's the difference between having an investor, you know, at a fund that, you know, it's more like the financial mentality and the investor mentality versus maybe someone like Kevin Hartz, which is the... For the people that are listening, that maybe doesn't sound familiar. The founder of Aben bright and and obviously a prolific founder. I mean, someone that has that background operational expertise that really understands what you're going through. I mean, what's the difference when you have someone like that on your board? We really
1: optimized for for Kevin, and we were raising our Series A um, and and had a number of inbound options. Um, Kevin told us that if we took money from Founders Fund, he would join our board and meet with us once a week for the next 10 years, and so. We jumped at that opportunity. He offered us the lowest price by far, and we took his money. We we realized that there were a lot of things that were specific to Newfront that we had to figure out. But, but frankly, there were many things that were just general, building an incredible executive team, building a culture, building a product and engineering team that ships iteratively. And we realized that Kevin had seen that before. He'd probably seen um, a lot of the things that work really well, um, and a lot of the mistakes that folks can make. And so we really optimized for having someone in our corner um, that had been there before. And you know, for the first couple of years of the company, um, we would go to Kevin's house every Sunday evening and give him updates on the business, talk through the latest issue that we were facing. Um, and it was just crucial to um, our growth early on.
0: So how big is Newfront today? I mean, anything that you can share in terms of number of employees or anything so that the people listening get an idea of how big you guys are? Yeah, so we um
1: are not public with um, you know, a, a bunch of our metrics. Um we serve about 5,000 clients at this point. We're right around 200 employees. We are somewhere in the top 100 of property and casualty brokers in the United States, um which I'm very proud of, you know, a couple of years in um about 3 years into building the business.
0: So when you obviously, you know, it's interesting here, your journey because You've gone from corporate to now startups, and and I'm sure that you're very well aware, I mean, and, and you've, you've experienced this firsthand, that you need to keep the same level of growth personally with the growth of the business. Otherwise, you're outpaced, and, and you need to set yourself aside. So what have you done to continue to develop yourself at the same speed as Newfront, and perhaps what, what has been your, your biggest go-to source to, to keep learning? I completely agree. I think
1: that the challenge in a fast growing startup is as you point out, you know, developing yourself at, at the same rate or ideally, you know, staying a little bit ahead of the business. And that can be really hard when you're, you know, doubling and tripling. So um I've benefited from incredible mentors. Um, I've had a a coach um for the last two years, and and that experience has been um, not only um, very helpful for learning as 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 CEO and um and as a co-founder, um, but also very gratifying. And then I've learned a great deal from my colleagues. Um, in general, we've hired people who are far more capable, far more intelligent than I am. Many of them have experience that I have not had. And being able to learn from them, You know, we hired um, an incredible COO, Mike Brown, who, who joined us from Uber early on. And he had seen just a massive team and org get built. Um, and so getting to learn from his experience was really valuable. We hired um, a sales leader um, from one of the biggest brokerages in America and getting to see um how he managed um, a sales team is really valuable. Um, so you know learning from you know our our team members has also been a big part of what's helped um, me and you know other members of our team develop.
0: So imagine Spike that you go to Flip tonight and you wake up in a world five years later where the vision of newfront is fully realized. What does that world look like?
1: That world looks like one where it is easier for businesses to innovate and take risk. When I think about you know, creating opportunity in the world, so much of it comes with doing some risk-taking. And you know, today, to be able to run a business and take risks, you're, you're saddled with these really complex insurance requirements. You don't really know what kind of coverage you have. Filing claims is really difficult. And so we believe that if we are successful, we will empower entrepreneurs, You know medium-sized businesses, all over the United States to innovate and advance us as a society. And so when I look towards the future, that's what we're hoping to do. We also would like to create a platform on which, you know, tens of thousands of insurance professionals do the best work of their career because they have the right tools and the right culture. And so when I look forward 5 years, you know, we are a massive part of our economy, you know, insurance I think is 11% of GDP and Many of the existing insurance businesses run on technology that's, you know, 20 years old. And so I see this opportunity to modernize this sector to the benefit of so much of our economy.
0: So imagine I'm taking you now in, in a time machine, Spike, and we're going back in time and you have this possibility of having a chat with your younger self. With that younger Spike, that is an open door thinking, hey, you know, this, this world of insurance looks interesting you know maybe it makes sense doing something if you could like get in front of your younger self there and and give yourself one piece of advice before launching a business what would that be and why knowing what you know now
1: it's all about people you know particularly in our business where we believe relationships and and brokers and insurance professionals are core to our industry um but i think broadly in business um you know your your long-term competitive advantage is really the people you can attract and the people you can retain. Um, and I think I understood that because I saw incredible people at Blackstone and, and at Opendoor, but the last couple of years have only underscored that lesson.
0: Very profound. So Spike, for the people that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? Sure. So, um,
1: you know, if, if you're interested in New Front, we are hiring across all teams. My email is spike at newfront.com. Um, if you buy insurance and would like us to take a look at your coverage, um, see if we can give you any insight or advice, you can reach out to me. Um, you can also go to our website and um, sign up there.
0: And and again, you know, Spike, thank you so, so much for being on the Maker Show. It has been a pleasure to have you on. Alejandro, thank you for having me. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it.